coming up on podcast 1909. Jag goes next. Tesla defies car thieves and Chadamo evolves. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information. Couldn't do this on Friday, so getting to the podcast a little bit later than I'd like. Sorry about that. It's the edition for Friday, 22nd of September. My name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story, so you don't have to. Uh, Thank you very much for everyone on Patreon who supports the show. It's how I pay my bills, by the way. Uh, Thank you to the incredible individuals and organisations at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash EV News Daily. Be it a producer, exec producer, $10 or more a month. Uh, give you a little name check at the weekends. And also, uh, for less than a couple of posh coffees a month, you can get this essential EV news in the hands of people all around the world who listen to the free version. Well, Drive Electric Week kicks off on Saturday tomorrow, or probably already by the time you listen to this podcast, running through to October 1st. Events not just in the US and Canada, but at uh, Mexico City as well. A joint initiative by organisations including Plug In America, the Electric Auto Association, EV Hybrid Noir, Drive Electric USA and the Sierra Club. With over 200 events scheduled from intimate parking lot meetups to expansive festivals, the uh, initiative Drive Electric Week is all about accelerating EV adoption across North America. The chance to get in an EV for many prospective EV buyers and interact directly with owners themselves. You don't want to go to a you know, a, a dealer or a Tesla showroom or something, and you you know you're not you're not ready to buy something. Which obviously, if you're walking into a dealer, you're probably that intent is there. But if you want to speak to some owners and kind of just start to suss things out before you decide which EV you are going to go and buy, then it's a fantastic way of getting some first-hand experiences. I'll pop a link in the show notes to find your local event. Jaguar Land Rover has revealed plans to integrate Tesla's NAX plug supercharger access into its existing and future EVs in North America. From 2025, the next-gen Jaguars will have the NAX charge port as standard on the side, eliminating the need for any adapters, and the Land Rovers will obviously follow suit as well. The adoption of the NAX port will replace the current CCS1 and J1772 ports on Jaguars. But of course, the I-Pace, which is the only Jaguar for sale, ends in 2025. So there'll be an adapter. They'll source those adapters from Tesla and they will give I-Pace owners details on availability and how you can get that for your I-Pace, they say, soon. They will. They say that the Tesla supercharger network is fast, it's reliable, and it views the shifts, shift to the Tesla plug as a strategic move. Yes, like all the others that have done it, and the others that will follow, like you know BMW and Volkswagen. We're just waiting for those announcements. But it's inevitable in North America that everyone will use the Tesla plug. Over here, of course, everyone uses CCS2. And, of course, in China, Japan, we'll get on to that in just a moment. Now, earlier this week, we told you about the UK government walking back their previous promise on 2030 for a ban of pure combustion cars. But, of course, it wasn't. It was never a ban on uh non-EVs. It was just that they had to, everything from 2030 had to have a battery that would take it a distance, significant distance, but was never actually codified of what the miles were on electric power alone. That got moved back to 2035. But actually, I said it doesn't matter because we're already on our way and that all the investment is there. It's annoying 
for the car makers making those investments. For any business, you want clear, consistent regulation. But actually, there's another reason why it doesn't matter, because although the UK Prime Minister, and again, he's not allowed to do this, parliamentary system that's there's fallout from it already because he did like a presidential address and changed all the green targets not really allowed to do that it was part of their manifesto that they were elected on so there's a huge fallout from that bit of a desperate move i think he'll get his knuckles wrapped or worse uh, but actually it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because although they they gave this big headline of giving car buyers five more years to buy petrol cars what they have confirmed is that the quota targets remain in place. And that's the bit that the industry pays attention to. So we all thought that the quotas would get changed. Actually, after the big headline, they came out and confirmed, no, we're keeping those. So from January here, 22% of new cars sold must be electric with the aim of being 80% in 2030. Uh, This is called the EV mandate. And that hasn't changed. Now, if you fail to hit these targets, the first one's going to be the beginning of next year. So the car makers here have to hit 22% of new cars sold. Some will do it very easily. Some only sell EVs, like Tesla. Some will really struggle with that and have to buy credits to offset it. But if they don't, they'll face fines of up to £15,000 per vehicle sold in government fines. The business secretary, is called Kemi Badnock, confirming that the ZEV mandate, the Zero Emissions Vehicle Mandate, is remaining in force. That incrementally requires automakers to hike EV sales each year before 2030. Some companies will consider cutting prices, if you think about it. If you follow this logic through, and often my logic is flawed, so I could be wrong here, but if I follow the logic through, if you're going to reduce a vehicle by £10,000 to avoid a £15,000 fine, it absolutely makes sense that if the government in the UK are leaving in the ZEV mandate of 22% new sales from January next year... Well, that makes sense, that they would reduce the price of EVs, even less than a combustion version of that car, in order to avoid the fines. One major car maker told the BBC that the dual pressure of maintaining sales targets for EVs, whilst also dealing with this headline, so-called delay, inverted commas, delay, in banning pure combustion cars, makes their job really hard, because the general public thinks, oh, the urgency's gone away, and so they're not going to buy an EV, but actually the general public doesn't know that the ZEV mandate still exists, and the car makers want to sell 22% pure EVs from January here in this country. So, market analysis is kind of speculating that the pool of available new fossil vehicles is going to shrink over the course of this decade that will hit the 2030 number with or without this silly announcement from our silly, silly Prime Minister this week, which was a ridiculous uh, whole charade. And now we find out it actually doesn't mean anything because of the mandate behind it hasn't changed. Although it still isn't, as far as I know, written into law. I'm still trying to learn as much about it as I can after this week. Because some ministers saying, oh, that'll definitely change. The business secretary saying, no, absolutely in place. But we heard only in July, Michael Gove, another government figure, saying, absolutely no way, we're never walking back 2030. You know, and five minutes later, they do. So uh, this lot of clowns will clearly do anything if they think there's a vote in it. Let's talk... uh, Oh, by the way, I'm not a massive fan of any politician, but this lot are particularly bad. Let's talk a little bit about the Audi Q4 e-tron getting a performance and range boost. Audi are revamping the Q4 e-tron and the Sportback version for next year's model year, aligning them with the recent changes that I've told you about on VW's ID4 and ID5. The new rear motor... Well, the new motor 
is called the AP550, built by Volkswagen Group Components Division. 400-volt system, of course. They've optimised the cooling for the stator and redesigned the gear set for its single-speed transmission. Performance-wise, the rear-wheel drive Q445... So the base model is the 35, but I can't find information on that. But the base model 45 uh, is going to replace the old 40, the Q4 e-tron 40. It's got an 80 horsepower increase to 281. And on the dual motor, all-wheel drive version of the Q4 55, that's now 335 brake horsepower. 77 kilowatt hour battery becomes standard across the range because there's no details on a smaller battery anymore. And uh, WLTP has gone up by 17 miles, 349 miles on the rear-wheel drive version, uh, which bizarrely... The rear-wheel drive version will only charge at 135 kilowatts. The all-wheel drive version will charge at 175 kilowatts. But it's the same battery. Why, Audi? Why? Why, Audi? Skoda did this when they launched the ENIAC, and they reduced the charging speed of their base model on purpose, if you remember. And they made you, they made you pay extra to get faster charging, which I particularly thought was an egregious abuse of people's you know, eagerness to get EVs back when there was waiting lists a couple of years ago, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't hobble the car on purpose if it will charge fastly. I mean, charge for extra stuff that, I don't know, like connectivity or apps and things, but not your basics of the car, like how quickly you can charge the thing. So maybe the same thing's going on here. I'll dig into that at Audi. Right, let's talk about why people don't seem to want to steal Teslas, and obviously they want to, but recent data from the Highway Lost Data Institute shows that the Model 3 and the Model Y are the least stolen vehicles between 2020 and 2022. And a big factor is their sentry mode. Advanced security activates when someone approaches the vehicle and operates even if the vehicle is off using the in-camera cabins as well and all the cameras. It'll capture any suspicious activities. We've seen those videos, of course, people scraping and keying cars and stuff and the owners always manage to identify the offenders because people don't realize tesla has sentry mode but car thieves do know and they're avoiding teslas because of the built-in connectivity gps functionality if the car is sold you can track it and they're just giving teslas a wide berth over recent years which is very good news because i've seen those videos online of teslas being nicked outside people's homes and you know keys being cloned through the front door with these little boxes and stuff so that's great you know, even for owners that don't have the pin to drive uh, turned on in those vehicles, it's uh, fantastic that people are thinking, oh, I won't bother nicking a Tesla because it's, you know, more hassle than it's worth. Right, stick around. Coming up, we'll talk Bright Drop and VinFast. And in a moment, Chadamo evolving. Stick around. Those stories are coming up. Okay, let's talk then. China's regulatory authorities, authorities approving Xiaoji One, the upgraded version of what was the Chinese standard GBT and the Japanese standard Chadamo. The new standard Xiaoji One is now fully approved. It's been on the development and on the cards for years. Uh, the new standard features this new specification of high power charging up to 1.2 megawatts, a new DC control pilot circuitry for better safety. One of the big updates is its designed compatibility with Chadamo 3.1, and that's the latest generation of fast charging, and that's their standard. So Backward compatibility to Chadamo, a significant shift for China, earlier GBT versions that lacked compatibility with any other fast charging framework. However, France, which was foundational in developing um, Charge de Mou, Chadamo, uh, has decided not to adapt the new version. Chadamo is evolving into Xiaoji 
It's Chinese. It's what we'll see on Chinese cars and Japanese cars, you would think, or in Japan, the same as North America, is going to the North American charging standard. Um, France, of course, part of the EU, going CCS2. And, uh, you know, Nissan's switch to CCS on their vehicles away from Chathamo is all part of that move away from Chathamo. So the Chathamo 3.1 standard itself is under testing in Japan uh, after pandemic-induced delays related to the Chathamo 3.0 version, which was out in 2020, which supported 500 kilowatt charging. Uh, Chathamo 3.1, backward compatible, uh, and also uh, with Xiaoji, uh, the Chinese standard. So it's really interesting how I think we'll end up with three plugs in 10 years' time. You know, you'll have NACs and CCS2 and Xiaoji, and and it's fine. You know, it's, the world doesn't have to use one plug, uh, three seems okay if all of those various areas are using just one, as it were. VinFast, the Vietnamese maker, is setting their sights on Europe. With the European Union considering tariffs on Chinese EVs, VinFast wants to put 3,000 units on a ship and send the VF8, the crossover, over to Germany, France and the Netherlands in the last quarter of the year. An exclusive report here sourced by Reuters. It's a good reporting here. Uh, shows that they'll make the vehicles in Vietnam and the VF8 already approved by the European regulators with EU standards. They could sell it in any of the 27 EU member states if they wanted to. In addition to meeting the standards, they're also obtaining the Euro NCAP safety ratings for the VF8 crossover as well. But would you buy a VinFast? That's the question. Bright Drop. Their Zevo 600 vans are joining a rental fleet. Riders US fleet has been bolstered with the Bright Drop vehicles in California, Texas, and New York. They're all electric vans that you can now rent with insurance coverage and roadside assistance and maintenance services, etc. Uh, rental of a van is, you know, whether for a short period of time or a longer period of time, uh, they say. One of the great benefits of their service, I suppose they would, wouldn't they? But interesting that those Bright Drop vans are there with Ryder. I'd like to have one for 24 hours and just to have a little play in a Bright Drop van and a Rivian Amazon van. I'd love to have a go in that. Uh, the YouTuber Marcus Brownlee, MKBHD, with his Autofocus channel. Such a good name for a YouTube channel based on cars. Uh, who's a tech YouTuber, of course. Uh, he has just, I think, done a video. I've not watched it yet with the Amazon van. I'll add that to my playlist. Now, the German automotive supplier ZF showcased their e-trailer at the recent show in Germany. comes with its own electric drive system to adapt to the driving behaviour of the attached tractor unit. The goal is to offload the tractor and enhance the efficiency of the whole vehicle. It's the electric axle integrated into a modular battery as part of the trailer as well. They say it's a game changer for trailer manufacturers and for fleets as well with the looming laws coming in for decarbonisation. The e-trailer, as they're calling it, can also do regen and it can reduce fuel consumption if it's a vehicle that is towing it, it's a combustion vehicle, uh, by 16%, they say. If you charge the trailer, you make savings of 40%. And of course, if it's a fully electric setup, as in what's towing the e-trailer, is a pure electric vehicle. Uh, they say it's all about uh, recuperating energy and extending the range of the vehicle that is towing it. 
Now, in New York City, Hertz have joined forces with New York, the city itself, to f- uh, a public-private partnership to speed up EV adoption and bolster EV charging in the area under the banner Hertz Electrifiers New York City. The car rental company will roll out 1,700 EVs in their end New York City fleet. The collaboration isn't unique to New York. Hertz have done the same in other key cities around the country. Uh, they're working with local high schools and other educational programs to teach people about the benefits of EVs as well. Now, in partnership with BP Pulse, Hertz are establishing fast charging locations across the city in midtown Manhattan. They're starting there with 150 kilowatt ultra-fast chargers being installed, uh, catering not only to Hertz customers and ride-sharing drivers, but the general public as well. Here in Europe, Zika, the Chinese company Zika, are teaming up with the app Plug Surfing. Now, Plug Surfing is great. You get yourself a little Plug Surfing card. I've got myself one. It works with just about any of the charging networks. And so Zika are teaming up with them so that if a customer buys a Zika vehicle... They kind of get to brand their app with Plug Surfing's white label product. And so they're all about, they say, ensuring their customers, they're going out on a limb anyway, buying a Zika, which is not, you know, an established German name and that kind of thing. So the early buyers in Sweden, Netherlands and Germany as well, being able to use the Zika charge pack, which is built on Plug Surfing. So you know, 550,000 charge points across Europe cross-border payment, all those kind of things that make charging seamless that Plug Surfing does, but, you know, with a little Zika logo stuck on top of it. Volvo has declared it will cease diesel vehicle production, setting the pace among European car makers in the shift away from diesel technology. A decision aligns with Volvo's broader strategy to concentrate on electric and low-emission technologies, reaffirming their commitment to move to EV. They haven't given us a timeline for halting the diesel production, as an early adopter of EV technology, certainly amongst the traditional manufacturers, Volvo's move will no doubt again set a precedent amongst others here in Europe of stopping diesel production, accelerating that focus on electric technology. The decision will certainly affect the European market, but also has implications for Volvo's global vehicle portfolio and uh, no doubt reduce the availability of diesel options worldwide uh, if they do indeed give us a date on when they will cease diesel vehicle production. But we know it's coming for Volvo waiting for the exact date. And finally, Chinese EV giant Neo has a new toy for you to play with, but it's not a car. It is its own Android smartphone. It costs from $900 equivalent, and it makes Neo the first high-end Chinese EV brand to have their own smartphone. Uh, They say that it is cheaper than other top-line models from the likes of Huawei. It dovetails with Neo's EVs, has a unique button on the side of the phone that is your car key key. That's very cool, by the way. So one less thing to carry in your pocket or your purse or your wallet or your bag and simply use your phone as entry to the car. Lots of people do that already with other EVs, but that's a nice touch with the Neo phone. And they say that about of all the people that buy Neos, about half are iPhone owners and about half are high-end Android owners from various manufacturers. So they're looking to launch their own. They are launching their own uh, Neo smartphone so that Neo car buyers, if they want an Android phone, can have the Neo phone and it will work with the in-car entertainment. 
instant connectivity. And that's what the Chinese market is all about, actually, is having that integration of their digital life with their tech and their cars and things like that. So it might sell really well. And that's your podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Ireland YouTube channel. Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments. They provide all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one. See you soon. Hopefully not too long, actually. I'll get Saturday's edition now. Uh, Thanks for listening. Oh, and remember, there's no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.